Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hooligans and whovians, and welcome to the Who A Podcast on Post Show Recaps. Everyone, it's Volcano Day, baby! I'm Kevin M, and I'm here celebrating Volcano Day with my co-hosts, Adam H. and Melissa Woodward. What's going on, guys? How exciting! It's here! It's finally here, Volcano Day! You seem very upbeat for the yeah. death of 20,000 people. Yeah, it's a tough, it's really a tough day for some of us, Kevin. I mean, uh, you know, we, uh, my, I, my family comes from volcanoes. And so this is a, this is a big thing, you know? Yeah, well, Your family listen. comes from volcanoes? Yeah. Right. Can we listen, step down? We could, but it would be too, it's too painful, Melissa. I can't. <laughs> it's not today. How dare you ask him today to all day. this? Such an insensitive question. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, could you please explain? No, no. Yeah, I just can't do it. I'm so sorry. But um, yeah, vo- uh, Volcano Day is here. Uh, you know, we're excited. We're erupting. I've never heard you refer to yourself as Kevin M before. So that's a new I one know. for me. I, know. Uh, I, I don't mind it. As Adam H, I don't mind it. I like the, the right? you know. Yeah, I think I, that's good. I should have said Melissa W. I really just messed it all up by uh, by changing up that last one. I guess this means Melissa's in charge for this episode. Uh, I mean, wait, uh, aren't I the always? full name? She's the only doctor she's, here. She's the so. doctor here, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, we're here talking Doctor Who as we are week to week on the Who A podcast, and we are now here on season four, episode two, Fires of Pompeii, and I think. I'm obviously not excited for the death of 20,000 people, but it is interesting to actually get this episode because this is a pretty famous event in history. It's been referred to on Doctor Who previously. Um, so to have him be here on quote-unquote Volcano Day is kind of really interesting and exciting in its own right. Um, and I think, you know, not to get into ratings or anything or super spoilers, a pretty solid episode uh, and a real interesting episode. <laughs> For the amount of people and cameos 
that are in this yeah. that are going to be real confusing if you really stop down to think about it, which we won't because we try not to do that too hard on Doctor Who. Um, but overall, guys, what do you think of this episode? Adam, obviously, having seen it before, knowing a little bit about it, what was your revisit like? Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it came in two parts. I think that a lot of the episode was actually worse than I remembered it, just like in terms of, gosh, I feel like it dragged quite a bit for like a 30-minute chunk there right at the beginning to middle portions. Um, and then I think like once it picked up and we hit the ending, we kind of really hit the stride. We had the more interesting conversations, discussions, and uh, like decisions to make between some of the characters. That was the stuff that I remember from this episode, the stuff that I remember liking from this episode. And so, uh, you know, I guess I'm, I'm happier to get that in the back half of the episode than the front half if I had to pick. But um, there was a little bit more dragging near the front than I uh, specifically remember from this episode. But uh, still excited to be in a very good stage of Doctor Who excited to have Donna here. Um, this was, you know, like you said, an overall uh, fun episode. Uh, I don't disagree in terms of um, the beginning, but I think what I enjoyed, and we'll obviously be getting into it, but was the hokiness almost like there's a level of just like, is this like a, is this like a low production school play in some of the set design, <laughs> which I kind of was like into um, in retrospect. Melissa, how did you feel uh, about all of it? Yeah, I think that it has so many pieces about Doctor Who that I really love when it's doing it well. The idea of like a thing that we know from history or mythology or whatever that ends up having like an explanation that's, you know, Doctor Who based that's different than what we thought. I, um, I've i said before that I, I like really enjoy that part of it. The sort of time of it and then like the implications of that are always really powerful on Doctor Who and so that was really good obviously the familiar faces were really fun um, there's one in particular that I really loved seeing and yeah but I, I will agree the whole like I, the, yeah it's, that first half is like a little slow um, but I'm okay with it. Like the fact that it ends strong, I think is much better than the alternative. And so I think that I end up on like a much higher note because it ends on a good note rather than the if it was starting strong and then ending on a bad note. So maybe it will end up being sort of disproportionately uh, elevated than maybe it should be because of that. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was a bunch of like good stuff. I love this Dr. Donna dynamic that we're getting. The fact that she's you know, they're kind of snarking at each other the whole time. And Donna, like, not really just taking what the doctor says as gospel by any way that she's pushing back on him constantly. And that uh, he admits at the end that that is good for him to have someone who will do that. I think that that is very cool. And yeah, just some of the implications at the end there where he's talking about like that line where he says at the end, like, if I can't save them, like, you know, I would if I could kind of thing. And and the weight that that carries when the doctor is in these kinds of situations, I think is just lots of really like interesting stuff to explore within the kind of context of who the doctor is and his overall story. So lot, lots of stuff that like feels like it's attached to more things than just this one episode, which is always really nice. And I think that will be the case as we talk on some specific parts uh, once we get into our episode breakdown about what's going to carry through and some themes that we will, I think, for sure see in the future and semi have seen in the past a little bit. Um, but I do want to stop down and talk about what you said, the Dr. Donna relationship. I think 
in the few episodes that we've seen, we've only seen two so far of this season, but we've seen them previously in Runaway Bride. Um, and it really is, I think, the standout star of this season is this relationship so far. And it really, I think, uh, was the high point of this episode, which had some pretty solid high points at the end in terms of thematic stuff. But like just the way these two interact, I think is really, really fantastic. Adam, I know you've been a fan of this dynamic for a while. As I've mentioned, I was not originally when I first watched it. I've come around. I think one of the things I really like about this is that it feels so different from the relationships that we've seen before. And it, it really, I think, excels uh, for that reason. What, what do you think about how this relationship compares to what we've seen with like the doctor and rose and the doctor and martha yeah i think that some of it is certainly aided by the lack of romantic tension almost like aggressively a lack of romantic uh intention there which like can be really fun but i also think that you know we we see the companion doctor who so often be this side of you know human morality the side of like you need to do the right thing encouraging the doctor to do the right thing and i think that with you know both rose and martha it was less of their specific characters genuinely have this like fight for it whereas opposed to i felt like it was kind of going through the motions more or less of just like okay this is what i'm supposed to do what i'm supposed to say i didn't really feel it from their character that like their own morality really played a huge role in how they interacted with the doctor whereas with donna you know maybe it's just the way that Catherine tate acts but like i genuinely believe that this character cares like so much more than the other two and i like can see that in her interaction with not only the doctor which we'll talk about in some of those situations that i think is like really really good acting but also with uh, donna and just the other uh what's it's not npcs i'm fully D&D right now. <laughs> the, other, the other people right the other like, characters, minor characters. The other characters yeah yeah that's what the c stands for kevin uh it's you know the other uh the, you know the other people that are involved in the scene the, the minor characters more or less she like genuinely cares about them in the situation and i think that like while we have seen that before it now feels more half-hearted on those previous situations than it does now because it just feels so genuine right donna just feels so genuine as a character that not only can we not help but root for her uh all of us kevin uh we cannot help but root for her all the time but like the other characters are also like getting behind her and like relating to her in ways that are just really special so um you know as we've said we've heaped so much praise on donna we're going to continue to do so throughout like the rest of you know this season and and probably forever but um she's just go she's just so great like she elevates everything around her the doctor the scenes the dialogue everything i i just love her so much well, Melissa, you know, as a person who uh, famously always loved the romance stuff that we've seen in previous seasons of Doctor Who, are you missing that now? <laughs> I mean, no, not at all. I absolutely, <laughs> I do, I will say, I do think, because like having seen the preview for next week, the fact that this joke about like, oh, are you two married? And they're like, ridiculously like over insisting that they're not like i could see that getting old very quickly if that like continues to be a thing because it's like okay it's fine like you know we get it you're <laughs> not married um but that said like the fact that that is not the dynamic here that the dynamic that we're exploring is one where it's different like it's just about the fact that she can go that she can like talk to him in these moments and and 
share her morality as you said but then also that he can go and show her all these things that her life is you know beyond what she had ever hoped her life was capable of i think that that is a very cool dynamic unto itself and like knowing the romance that is to come i like i don't need it here it's not like we're not gonna get it and so i'm i'm happy for this to not be that all right, well, we're going to get into the episode itself. As we've skipped none, there's nothing to talk about in terms of uh, episodes that we jumped over to give you a little preview of those. So we're going to get into the breakdown. But before we do that, we're, of course, going to take a quick break and then get back to talking about the fires of Pompeii. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. We are back. Let's get into it. Melissa, let's kick us off where basically they just try to show up. Yeah, so the Doctor and Donna arrive in ancient Rome, except it's not ancient Rome, it's brand new Rome. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, Donna calls it fantastic, which I wanted just to shout out there, and she asks about a sign that she can read in English, the Doctor's explaining about the translation circuit, and she asks what happens if she tries to actually speak Latin, and it turns out that it sounds Welsh (laughs) to them. 
which I mean, Welsh is a is a wild <laughs> language. No offense to any Welsh listeners, uh, but that's actually this entire scene. I will say one again. I got. I I don't like picking. No, I do. My younger self kind of sucks most of the time. But like, what was my younger self thinking? Because like, she's so endearing in her excitement about like being in ancient Rome slash brand new Rome, which is what it is here. Um, and these like questions of like. How does this work? Like real Melissa attitude and like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> like it's I will it's take that compliment. Great, that is yeah. Uh, yeah. It's such a great endearing thing with her. And like it's such a question that I think things don't ask, where it's just like, yeah, universal translators, how does that work? What if you actually try to say the word like in the language? And it's just like, oh well, it sounds like gibberish, of course. And it's just like, ah yes, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, actually. I mean, not gibberish, Welsh. Welsh. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say that Welsh. <laughs> wow. If we have any Welsh listeners, I'm so sorry for Kevin. I mean, on Kevin's behalf, I just want to apologize to all of you. Um, you know, yeah. That, this, I is mean, a, this is a tough day for the Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the language is certainly something, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then so we see a woman in a red robe following them. And I just got to say, look who it is. <laughs> we know her. Wild cameo. I 100% forgot that Karen Gillan is in this episode as a really, really minor bit part. And for those who know, uh, big part later on in the series. I won't say too much because for those who don't know, I I don't don't want to spoil too much there. But uh, incredible to see her. We've talked about, ah, screw it. She's going to be a companion of <laughs> yeah, sorts. Who, who doesn't know? Who yeah, doesn't, who know, doesn't this? know this? I, I mean, mean if we you have know... a bunch of people watching Doctor Who for the first time who genuinely might not know, but I also don't think it's like the worst of spoilers to be like, yeah, this actor comes back to play a companion, which is yeah. very It's exciting. not even the biggest like... actor spoiler of the episode. Correct, so, of this episode. Like... No, but it is the one I was more excited about. <laughs> oh. Fair. Um, I mean, oh. she's great. And like we've talked about, and this is probably a good time to bring it up. I think we'll get more in depth later about it but she's kind of in the running for the conversations we've had uh about famous people who have been on doctor who certainly these days um she it's tough for i think her because most people when they think about her don't recognize her because her most famous role she is a blue-skinned half robotic alien in space which i only recently learned that that was her by the way i've like watched doctor who i've watched guardians of the galaxy but it's because i started following her on tiktok that i was like wait (laughs) oh that's you i had no idea only recently verified on tiktok i think because like i yeah that was like a whole thing she was very excited about (laughs) yeah uh yeah so this is very exciting but you know she's being all like creepy culty lady this time meanwhile there's a mountain in the distance that starts to rumble and they realize that they're in pompeii and it's volcano day <laughs> except volcano not quite day, it's, baby. it's the day before volcano day technically yeah yeah uh the red robe woman requests an audience with the high priestess because the prophecy of the arrival of the blue box has come true the doctor and donna realize that the tardis is gone uh that one of the merchants has sold it uh and we see another familiar face <laughs> Indeed. Um, I will say uh, there's just there's one thing I, I, I forgot that I wanted to hit on here, too, where the note of uh, tomorrow is Volcano Day. What's kind of really fun about this in like the Doctor Who lore and one of the things that I got a little excited about the concept of is because we know that somewhere in Rome 
is Jack, Captain Jack Harkness, because he has mentioned he has come and partied at Ro- in Rome, but leaves before Volcano Day itself. So that means at this moment, Jack is somewhere. And I think that's just one of those like fun, timey-wimey things, Adam, right? Like this this counts for timey-wimey for sure for you. So I know this is kind of this is kind of cool. I love that you're at, you're able to speak on what counts for timey-wimey for me. And I look, I don't even mean that sarcastically. That is very genuine because this is this is timey-wimey. This is what <laughs> I'm talking about with timey-wimey when there are things involving time that go yes. you know, all wimey. So th- I'm I'm all in on this, even without the Jack and all, which is which is very cool. I would have loved to have seen Jack and just like a, a passing scene, right? Like how funny would that have been? Um, you know, whatever. There's probably logistical reasons why that was not able to happen more than, you know, lack of desire. But um, even just like the whole day before something we know is going to happen playing out in history, that to me is like really cool timey-wimey stuff. You know, when we have this idea of what's going to happen in the end, but we don't necessarily know how it gets there. And, you know, whatever, spoiler or whatever, I'm not going to say any other official names or events or whatever, but this kind of thing is going to happen again, where we are going to mm-hmm. be going back to a point in history and be like, okay, what are the events that had to, you know, transpire to lead us to what our understanding is of this history, uh, you know, based on, you know, the, the stuff that we know. And so I think like, this is a just an incredible example of how timey-wimey can be used in, in a unique and uh, just, just a great way. I really love that element of this. What's especially fun, and it's very, very timey-wimey way, is that there's actually someone else here that first-time viewers don't know about that we will get to later in the series, which is another really, really fun timey-wimey fact. Uh, But yeah, I just wanted to mention that as we talk about the continuity stuff. I think this is a really fun, interesting thing about this particular point in history in the show. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in the very, it's the very first episode, I think, of the new series. Doesn't uh, the guy that's been like tracking the doctor through time talk about the doctor and Pompeii? Isn't that, it's like the Titanic and then also Pompeii are like the things that are cited? I think there is like a drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and with that kind of stuff, it's like super cool because even in this uh, this opening, we do have like the prophecy of the blue box. Mm -hmm. So like, there's all kinds of little timey wimey things connecting everything, and I I really do love that. Yeah. The only thing I'll say is it's not Eccleston; it's Tennant that did this. So like that guy tracking Eccleston through the ages, like obviously wouldn't have worked. But okay. Well, that part is the wibbly wobbly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so we've got this marble merchant who you know will soon be an important person within the doctor who universe that That would yeah who universe i like that universe Universe. i think we'll keep that one under our hat but it is very funny that like this actor is here but this is peter capaldi um a fantastic fantastic british actor um the main things i knew him from was uh one skins he plays Sid's dad. Uh, great first time that I've seen him uh, was there. And then a great uh, series called, or movie called In the Loop, which is the uh, precursor essentially to Veep. Like it is, I think, I believe the same producers and stuff who did Veep did In the Loop, I want to say. And so like, that's why the vibes of those things are so, so similar. Um, but yeah, uh, a fantastic, fantastic film. If you want to check that out. Very, very funny. He swears a lot. He has some real, real funny uh, cursing going on in that one. I'm going to have to watch this, Kevin, because Veep might be one of my favorite shows of all time. Oh, okay, yeah. Just sorry to to sidetrack like this, but yes, high recommend. I 
saw in the loop first i'm pretty sure it's in the loop and not the loop there, there was a show called the loop but this is the peter capaldi one and it is i believe i i don't remember if anna Chomsky's in there but certainly um zach woods i think is but like it is essentially british politics uh in the same tenor and vein of veep like it is the same type oh. of like twisted comedy like here's what politics is like and i believe they did that and then they did veep and obviously Veep ran for quite a while here um, but I huge fan of that and then discovered Veep and was like addicted to Veep as well. Phenomenal show. I was already a Julie Dreyfus like stan from Seinfeld and like what a what a treasure she is. And <laughs> that yeah, show is Veep is like the one show that I know that I can always go to and it will make me laugh out loud. Like literally every single episode will make me cackle. Uh the place to watch in the loop, Kevin, Tubi. That is the <laughs> That is the platform upon which one can Excellent. watch this movie. <laughs> there you go, everyone. You can watch it on Tubi. Okay, well, there we go. But that's not what Zoe's is on, right? That's Quibi? No, that's Ro- Roku. Oh, Quibi, okay. is, Quibi is dead. Quibi is, Quibi is dead. Okay. Yeah. Quibi lasted f- four months? It's like five seconds? <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, So, yeah. So, this guy has bought the TARDIS. He thinks it's a piece of modern art. uh, And Pompeii continues to shake. But his daughter has a gift. She's been consuming the fumes from the lava flow, the vapors, if you will. And she's seen... She's got Hmm? the vapors. Yeah. Uh, And she's had a vision of a face of stone. So... Uh, I didn't take down too many notes about like the dynamic of this family, but it was just all like uh, the the wife is very like all about the household gods, mm-hmm. and the, this girl is sort of like now having these visions, and so the wife is like or like the mom, she's all like very like adoring of the daughter to like and like sort of putting upon the son, and like doesn't seem all that well, into him. It, it feels like the daughter has a career. Like I think that's the thing. The daughter seems to have a career trajectory. She's going to be joining this pre- priest uh, priestesshood. Pre- what, what, what would that sisterhood be is what they said. Sisterhood, but, sis- yeah. sisterhood. Mm. sisterhood slash cult. Um, and the son, who I believe is supposed to be older, is clearly just been like effing off. He's like he, he's like I, I I decided to take a a gap year before college and then just <laughs> yeah. never went. And they're like, you need to do something. You cannot just be sitting here drinking wine and like clearly is just mooching off his parents and doing nothing. Hey, if we think about it, uh, if you're living in Pompeii right around that time and going to school and doing work, imagine the waste of time <laughs> that is all things. That's yeah. very true. Like yeah. truly. This son has got to figure it out. Also, what You're is right. his opening line of just like, did someone say something about like 40 virgins or whatever he says yeah. walking in? Yeah, he, he, has some, he has some good stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, so Donna wants to call everyone to the amphitheater to start evacuating Pompeii. Uh, the volcano is going to erupt tomorrow. So she says, you know, that's what we have time. That's what the doctor does. He saves people. But he says, not this time. Pompeii is a fixed point in history. What happens, happens, and there is no stopping it. That if she tries, they'll call her a mad soothsayer. Uh, and this is when the women with the eyes on their hands say, the tall one, he calls us mad. Um, and another woman says that the doctor is a stranger to prom- Pompeii. The prophecy says that the blue box will be a temple made of wood, and the box will appear at the times of storms and fire and betrayal. The Revenant Mother says the oracles are wrong. This is a new age that she predicts a future of prosperity and might. Endless empire of Pompeii. 
if the di disciples of the blue box defy this property, their blood will run across the temple floor. And this is as Pompey shakes and they say the gods approve. Okay, so here's my very important question that I have not been able to stop thinking about all day today. If you had to get two big tattoos of eyes somewhere on your body, I actually think that the back of your hands are a great place for it. Yeah, like, I, like legitimately, and I, I'm not even being sarcastic here, hyperbolic. I like the potential, right? Like you're playing peekaboo with a baby. Boom, that's awesome. <laughs> Two eyes in the back of your hands. You know, uh, I don't have a lot of other applications. That was the main <laughs> that's one. That's the one. I was thinking one. Of, but I don't know. If I had to get two big eye tattoos somewhere in your body, I think the back of your hands is a great spot. I think they're you just get them on here. like your forearm, and then you could just like hold up your arm in front of your eyes. Oh yeah, that could be a good one. Um, I mean, the palms is the other one, right? Just in invoking Pan's Labyrinth, which is specifically right. creepy. Mm -hmm. But the guy, you know, holding up his hands like that. Uh, but yeah, I think it's the it's the, uh, the arms as a whole is probably the best places to get them. Yeah. Uh, I think other places would just be weird. Um, but like yeah, back is back palm. better or worse? Mm. Like eyes in the back of your head, but on the back of on your back. back of your back. If the back of your back, no. If you actually, I guess if you're bald, you got eyes in the back of your head, then maybe that's oh, just, not so bad. Just straight <laughs> but... scalp eyes. Okay. That's yeah. interesting. I'm also just thinking about like how painful some of these would be. Yeah. Like right? palms, yeah. that would be devastating. Yeah. Uh, but like also skull would probably be very would bad. probably yeah. hurt. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. Back of your hand. Isn't that like, there's something pain tolerancy in the back of your hand, right? Is that a thing? I don't I, think I, so. I think like, it would hurt a lot. Well, but we were always told to like check for the heat of the thing with the back of your hand for versus school, the like, front first. of your hand, but that's not like well, but they still said hand, they didn't say check it with the tip of your knee, like it wasn't, you or... know. <laughs> I mean, maybe the knee, I is mean, check better, it with though. your we tongue know. next just... time, Adam. Let's see how, like, there are worse. I'm options. saying, no, I'm saying it's a I'm saying it's good. I'm saying you have, you have tolerance for that pain. I don't think that you necessarily do. Okay, Melissa, where like should I be? The under bit of your hand. Next time I'm in a situation where there may or may not be a fire on the other side of the door, what body part should I check with? I'm looking for real doctor advice here. <laughs> I don't know. That's not the type of doctor I am. Okay, well then back of the hand seems pretty good, no? <laughs> I mean, it's certainly better than the alternative. You are instinctively going to reach forward with your hand. So I think the idea is that like in that moment, could you try to do back of hand rather than, but sure, like your knee is probably better. Well, there's well, like reasons okay. to not use the front of your hand. Uh, the one I my do thigh think out there. <laughs> yeah. There's more nerve endings in the front of your hand. But two, the reason why you won't don't want to do that is because if you burn the front of your hand, you use that a lot and it will hurt because the way like you constantly mm. do this and it will lead to a lot of injuries. Uh, but there's a lot of nerve this, endings he there. Says on yeah. the audio Kevin is, I don't even know yeah, sorry. a not dirty way to describe grabbing, what Kevin you, was doing. Things, oh, yeah, grabbing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also, I love that the three of us who, as far as I know, have no tattoos, are discussing where we should be getting tattoos. <laughs> I'm just saying, Kevin, this is, this is the thing I was thinking about all day today. Okay, we can get back on track now. I just wanted to, you know, bring that up. It was yeah. just living rent-free in my head, in my eyes. This feel awfully presumptuous of you, Kevin, that you don't think Adam or I are have tattoos i feel pretty confident <laughs> personality wise you don't I personality feel, wise what does that mean whoa now you're doubling sure. down on this yeah i'm i'm almost positive adam for sure doesn't uh, <laughs> uh melissa would yeah be the of question, the two but... of us i i <laughs> yeah. that tracks first of yeah. all how dare you uh i could <laughs> i could have tattoos 
I, am I wrong? I could. Can you look at me and tell me that I'm wrong? I don't know. Maybe you are wrong. Kevin, believe me, it's so easy for me to look at you and tell you that you're wrong. Uh, just, <laughs> <laughs> just in general. Maybe I do have tattoos. You don't know. You haven't seen every inch of my body. You have no idea if I have tattoos. <laughs> I could. Maybe I'll get one tonight. Another Adam one. Adam just goes to get a tattoo just to prove us wrong on the next podcast. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, actually, I was debating it, actually. That actually with, like, feels oh, pretty it's... close to something I would do. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've had my tattoo idea, like, stored away in a folder for years now and just never done it. So I don't know if that's better or worse. The fact that I've, like, strongly considered it and never pulled the plug or the fact that I have strongly considered it and never pulled the plug hmm. i mean i've been really close i've been in a tattoo parlor like ready to go and then it just oh, yeah? It, yeah it was close but i guess in this particular situation kevin despite your you know uh potentially harmfully offensive assumptions here you are correct uh i do not have any tattoos i don't feel good about that win though kevin i, I, I cannot feel good about that I do though. <laughs> I really the based on your personality comment was uh, a little well, apologies to any of our listeners with or without tattoos because I think that anyone could have taken offense to. That. I was going to say, yeah, who are we offending with that comment? I, well, maybe everyone or no one. I don't know. It's one of those two groups. You you all know who you are out there if you don't have a tattoo and why. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Kevin, tripling down on this. Not even just me. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, All right, let's get back to All of our tattoo list- <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Rise uh, up. Yeah. Okay. So the doctor and Donna visit this family, both claiming their name to be Spartacus. Um, the man thinks that they are brother and sister because they look alike after they insist that they're not married. Uh, the man trades in marble, and the doctor claims to be a marble inspector. Donna tries to suggest that the family go away on holiday. And the family isn't aware of the word volcano, that Vesuvius is just a mountain to them. This is a fun little uh, tidbit. Yeah. Uh, the chief of the city government, Lucius, arrives. He's speaking all this like cryptic wisdom, and he and the doctor go back and forth. Uh, they reveal this tablet this, that has a stone circuit on it. And the daughter says that the doctor and Donna are mocking them. The son says she's sick from consuming the vapors promised to the sisterhood, but the chief says the prophecies of women are limited and dull, and only men folk are capable of true perception. The way Donna's head whips around when he says that is A+. plus. Love it. Yeah, if I didn't love her before, I was going to love her at this. Oh, yeah. Uh, the girl calls them Doctor and Noble, uh, that they've come from far away. The doctor says the chief has been out suicide, but the chief calls him the man from Gallifrey, his world lost in fire, and Donna being from London. He says it's the gift of Pompeii that every oracle tells the truth. The chief says she is returning and tells Donna there is something on her back. The daughter says the doctor's real name is hidden, burns in the stars in the Cascade of Medusa, and calls him a lord of time. Uh the mother then later tends to her daughter, including this black mark on her skin, irritation that they bathe in olive oil. Uh, Donna touches her arm and realizes that it's stone. I mean, listen, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll, like if your skin is like real dry, like we've got nice, we're going back to the moisturizer debate here, but like they had olive oil and that's what they use when, you're, when your skin's getting a little dry and crackly, just rub some olive oil on there. I don't think that's that crazy. Yeah, we don't need to expand on this idea, but I did think to myself which oils were best to bathe in earlier today as well. Just, you know, uh, we don't need to actually talk about that. But, I, you know, olive oil, maybe maybe up there on the list. 
Um, and uh, body parts turning to stone. Uh, I did like the way that this looked, actually, in terms of like some mm-hmm. of the hokiness of this episode. You know, uh, whatever monsters, we'll talk about it in a, in a few minutes. The actual arm turning to stone looked a lot cooler than some of the other stuff looked in this episode. So I, I actually did uh, kind of enjoy that part. I actually enjoyed this whole sequence, I would say, with the soothsayers, like, going back and forth. I thought it was really fun how she's just, you know, like, one is just like, oh, you're a doctor and you are, you know, you are of noble. And just the way, like, I will say, like, for me, just the delivery, I think, was great. Like, when he's like, oh, you've been out soothsayed. And he's like, oh, really, man from Gallifrey. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, it's just such a, like, fire comeback in that moment. And just the expansion from here, I thought was really great as they're, like, discussing his history. And it's just like... Oh yeah, no, they're all they're all 100% accurate. That's interesting. I thought it led to a lot of intrigue and just the way this scene was delivered and kind of shot because there was like an almost like off angle on it that I thought was really cool. Uh, the doctors inspecting the hot springs powered by Vesuvius. The man talks about how they had to rebuild after an earthquake, and the doctor hears a noise and they explain it as the gods of the underworld stirring. The doctor guesses that after the earthquake, the soothsayers started making sense, but none of them have said anything about tomorrow. Uh, and they all consume the vapors as their way of uh, gaining knowledge. And the doctor pulls up these rock particles and says they're breathing in Vesuvius. Uh, the doctor then asks the son about Lucius when he initially refuses to help. And then the doctor pulls a coin behind from behind his ear. And apparently that makes him be like, yeah, okay, I'll help you. I Magic. was so confused. It's magic, it was, Melissa. It was money. He was paying him. What are you guys talking about? Oh, I thought it was magic. Like he was so impressed by his magician abilities. So that's what I thought too. Is I was like, what was he just like so God. impressed by this magic? Yeah, this is why you don't have tattoos. This is what? Okay, what does that even mean? Okay, Kevin, where are all of your tattoos? Yeah, I don't have any. Okay, also... so the... clearly that is not the difference in our interpretation of this scene yeah no it's definitely uh the money he he, he gave him money hmm. the one oh. thing that that son doesn't have because hmm. he, he's a slacker i don't know i like the magic idea i think full magician ability there i'm not gonna I, lie i would be very like why would he I pull it behind the ear magic. though if it was just a bribe like just give him the nickel yeah, or whatever we do know that close-up magic is the sexiest of the hobbies that you can have so yeah oh yeah especially how close you can get yeah i'm not gonna argue that fact i'm a huge fan of magic tricks and close up magic i was being mildly sarcastic but i was also somewhat subtweeting uh justerling who's a big fan of close up magic (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah uh anyway so he pulls it from behind his ear so then the son and the doctor go to this house and the doctor finds a bunch of these stone marbles with circuits on them the chief arrives and says they're building the future as dictated by the gods Meanwhile, Donna talks to the daughter, and she says she's promised to the sisterhood. Donna asks about tomorrow, but she doesn't see anything special. And then Donna gives a prophecy that the other sisters can hear, because the woman holds her hands up to her eyes, and somehow that connects them all. Uh, Donna you tells through her, your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe the weird. one confusing part here was all of the other sisters also had to have their hands up to their eyes. It was like it, you know, a two-way walkie-talkie situation where both people had to press the button, and the button was hands over your eyes. So that's the, you know, that's the situation here. Was well, not just a one-way form of communication. Yeah. Um. So Donna tells her about the volcanic explosion, and the sisterhood says that the false prophet must die. 
um, the doctor reorders all the circuits to kind of like a puzzle and calls it an energy converter, but he doesn't know what it's for. And then he pulls off Lucius's stone arm. He says it's work of the gods. The doctor knocks down the circuit. Lucius calls into the vapors that the doctor will prevent the rise of Pompeii. And this like stone monster yells from the magma. And then uh, the doc- it emerges in Adam's favorite part, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. The doctor hears footsteps underground. The monster crashes up above ground and disintegrates a man in fire. The doctor tries to talk to it, but the sun ends up throwing water on it and it all breaks apart. He calls it a carapace of stone held together by internal magma, but it's just a foot soldier. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's lots on this. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, just not to bury the lead here. This was easily my least favorite part of this episode, <laughs> and it just like is not even close. Um, we're just randomly incinerating people in front of us, but then when the doctor's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait a minute," he just stops. Like they don't, he, he doesn't continue. Like that was enough persuasion to get this thing to stop and let the doctor monologue for a while, like. After Adam. we just absolutely lit up Jimmy over there and burned him to death, like uh, what do we? I don't know. Once again, you play D anD D. You know he has to roll a five or six to recharge that fire. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no! Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. All right, I'm now more down with this. Uh, D anD D answers all the questions. I suppose. Um, and also, just like didn't look good. <laughs> no, it did not. Yeah, I don't yeah, know how that, to like. Yeah, you know, no, no defense on that one. <laughs> really did not look good, unfortunately. And maybe, maybe it looked better back at the original time, but like, I don't think so. Uh, Here's my hot take: CGI has hot. been one of the worst things a to happen to cinema, probably ever. Uh, it's it's atrocious. It almost always ends up, and especially during this time period, dating itself, and it, it just. The pra- nothing is going to top practical effects. The stone, the things you're talking about, Adam, right? How does stone look when he rips off the dude's stone arm? That looks better yeah. than the CG rock monster guy. And I get it. It's more expensive to do that, but it also makes the product not look very good. It's it's a perpetual problem. We're especially seeing it in movies these days when every, like, you know, this it, it's people complain about Star Wars, the prequels, because it was like actors in front of a green screen acting at nothing. And, like, that's basically what all movies are becoming now. And it, it, it's, I think it's noticeable. This is not good. But, yeah, I, that's my take on this. CG is CG bad. Uh, so Donna has been taken by the red-robed women uh, who she yells at them to let her go. Uh, and at one point, the priestess says, this prattling voice will cease forever, to which the doctor says, oh, that'll be the day, as he shows up uh, and basically frees Donna with his sonic screwdriver. The doctor says that he met Sybil once, the founder of this religion. Good dancer, nice teeth. She had a thing for him. He said it would never last, and she said she knew. Uh, the doctor says that Sybil would be ashamed of them, all this wisdom and insight. And the high priestess asks to see the doctor that he carries starlight in his wake. Uh, the high priestess has turned mostly to stone. She says the pain is necessary that the voices told her. The priestesses are all slowly turning to stone. And the doctor says the people of Pompeii are turning to stone before the volcano erupts. He asks why they don't know about the volcano and asks who the creature inside the high priestess is seating inside of them and the others. Uh, we hear this voice that says, we are rising. The doctor calls on the shadow proclamation and insists the creature tell him its name. And it says it's a paraval, the stone, mon- it's the stone monster from earlier. The paraval fell from the heavens and were turned into dust. The earthquake woke them up. 
And the doctor asks where the gift of prophecy comes from. One of the priestesses realizes that the water gun is harmless, that he's been holding at the priestess this whole time. And then Donna and the doctor drop into the volcano. I, I Okay, a couple thoughts here. Number one, every time Doctor Who uses the word shadow proclamation, I, it just makes me so happy because like, whatever, we'll get into more of this later when we understand a little bit more, but it's one of those like recurring phrases or whatever recurring like you know unknown things that are used constantly and every time that melissa says it in the recap kevin and i look at each other and raise our eyebrows so i really do enjoy (laughs) that part of it and plus it's it's a really cool name even though we don't really know what it is shadow proclamation that's pretty freaking cool man like it doesn't even matter what it is that's just a cool name that you come up you know what i mean like that's really cool my biggest complaint with this scene, however, um, what do you mean your your detection says that this water gun is harmless or whatever when it literally works perfectly fine and stops the bad person from being able to like follow after and chase them? It's not harmless if it did the exact thing that the doctor said it was going to do. And he was like, oh, it's still going to sting a little bit. That's not harmless. Your calculations yeah. were way wrong. Come on, soothsayer. It's, it's non-lethal, I guess is what they meant to say. <laughs> Uh, that was not the words that were used. I don't know. It's there's true. A, there's a big words. Words mean you. things. Yeah, yeah harmless and non-lethal. Those are that's a huge bridge between the two of them. I mean, it was like okay, we're gonna like mildly inconvenience you while we get away. Is sort of what it felt. Like. That's like the that's the only thing he wanted to do, though. But I don't know. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna uh, kill her. That's for sure. It's also like I'm this. I'm I'm also just a general fan of the idea of like using water guns against like monsters. In this case, obviously, it's like literal water against like uh, a, a rocky magma infused character. But mm-hmm. like one of my favorite vampire movies of all time, if not like top two for sure actually uh lost boys that was like a trick is that they fill the the water guns with uh with holy water so that they could like shoot them in the face and it wasn't like going to kill them but it's annoying and it stings and i was like yeah i love i love that like conceit we should bring that into we can't though ah oh, D D. they don't have they don't have water pistols damn we got to figure out how to make one of those that'd be fun fight some vampires i'm pretty sure water, we've done that before in some capacity even if we haven't, we definitely could. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't even yeah. be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the priestess and the chief both say that the prophecy must adva- advance. Vesuvius awaits. The family worries, but what will happen next? The doctor, the daughter can see a choice. Someone must make a choice. The most terrible choice. Donna says the alien sped up the volcano. So why can't the doctor fix it? That he saved her. So why not this? The doctor says some things are fixed and some are in flux, but Pompeii is fixed. Donna asked how he knows which is which, which is a question that I've had many times while watching this show. So I actually appreciated that this was being addressed and answered. The doctor says that it's how he sees the universe. Every waking second, I can see what is, what was, what could be, what must not. It's the burden of the time, Lord Donna, and I'm the only one left. Donna asks how many will die. She asks if he can see all 20,000 die. I mean, yeah. yeah. What a ridiculously good line. Like this, this is such good writing here in this case, because I totally Mm -hmm. agree with you, Melissa. We've asked this before, right? Of like, what is a fixed point? What does that mean? How is that coming to play? What is that going to be like? And there are not, basically the show is telling us like, uh, it's going to be whatever we say it is to fit the story that we're going to tell, right? Like that's the underlying message here of like, sometimes we want it to be a fixed point. Sometimes we need to alter it. But in reality, having this like, you know, the lore of the show be, this is how the doctor sees time 
that's so freaking cool. Like, that's yeah. just such a cool way to explain this mechanic that they have to have for the show to function, but also, like, elevate his character. He's a, he's a literal Time Lord, and I think that, like, we maybe take some of that for granted as we're watching Doctor Who because he's very good at the, you know, if I may, wibbly-wobbly stuff, right? Like, he figures out how to get out of situations. He's brilliant. He, like, knows how to, you know, move around and maneuver in ways that, like, we would not necessarily know. But he also has that timey-wimey stuff of it that, like, we really can't know or understand because it's number one hard to portray but number two we also were not time lords so i i just love this so much i think that's just that that to me is like brilliant writing for a mechanic that is necessary but it's just so elevated i'm a huge fan like that to me is a standout line of this episode maybe of this season as a whole it's really really fantastic and it plays with again that element of time right which i think is really interesting and really cool um, there's so much when it comes to like time travel and how you address stuff like this fixed point versus not fixed point and the idea of like because time can be in flux in the way that time is like he's just able to see the possibilities and understand like how things have shifted and changed and like what can't and can be is really really fascinating and gives I think to your point Adam right this uniqueness to time lords because like basically so much of what we see is just like okay well he's got two hearts and he can regenerate and he's smart that also he could be smart because he's just like also pretty old like he's been around for a long time so like beyond technology like what's so interesting about the time lords what makes them time lords and it's just like this this is what helps like and i think that's really really fascinating and adds to that lore the same way when he says shadow proclamation adds to like the lore of the world that we're living in here in the show it's similar of a line like this and i think it's really cool and really fun and really dives you into like ooh, this is all fascinating uh, so the chief calls for Vesuvius to accept the offerings of the circuit tablets and this like large stone monster emerges, which we learn are these Paraval. The doctor Thanks. and <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the doctor and Donna reach the heart of Vesuvius. They see a lot of the stone monsters. He sees an escape pod with the same circuitry carved in it. Donna suggests they use the volcano to launch themselves into space, but the doctor says it's worse than that. And Donna's like, what could be worse than that? The chief spots them, and the doctor sprays one of the Paraval with the water gun. <laughs> the doctor asks what happens once the new race of creatures is complete. Then what? And the chief says the plan is to mimic Rome itself, take over all of civilization. Donna asks why they don't just go home, but the chief says it's gone. Perovilia is lost. The doctor warns them that the planet is 70% water, but the chief says water can boil and everything will burn. Also a great line, by the way. I love that as a response. There's just like, water can boil. I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, the doctor confirms the whole planet is at stake, and he shuts him and Donna in the escape pod. He realizes the soothsayers can't see the volcano because the Paravel are stealing all of its power to make their new race, and Vesuvius is never going to erupt. The doctor says they'll use it to take over the world. He can reverse it, but it's Pompeii or the world. But then Pompeii will be destroyed, and then it's not just history. It's him. He's the one that makes it happen. Here it is. Here's the juice. This is like the good stuff mm -hmm. of the episode, the stuff that's really yeah. interesting, really compelling, the more you know, quintessential Doctor Who stuff of like, this is a lose-lose situation, but it is the Doctor that has to be the one to decide who loses, and that it's it's really tough and i think having donna here in these moments really elevates that decision making and, and allows us to get a little bit better insight into the doctor but i you know this, this is the good stuff this is where the episode shines in my opinion it's such a fantastic twist to have it be that oh the doctor's the one that causes vesuvius to explode is i think really great and what is really really fantastic and most i'm sure you, you're about to talk about this scene where 
he talks about the decision. He talks about pushing this lever. This is the state I want to like talk about as a continuity thread because like we have been here before and not a huge spoiler here, but like we will be here again. And this reoccurring idea of the doctor in this situation of having to make a choice for the responsibility to eradicate people. And like, sure, this isn't the entire planet of Gallifrey and the Daleks, the choice he made previously, the choice he was given again at the end of Eccleston's run about pushing a lever and doing this and now here again. And he can't, which I think is fantastic because it it keeps that thread of where Eccleston was of like, I can't, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm, I choose not to, not again, not given this choice the second time I can't. And like he's here again, and it does take Donna to have to help him make this choice. And I think it's really fantastic. And this is a thing we will see with the doctor continuously about making a decision like this, and specifically, especially I think pushing a lever that is really great and becomes like such a reoccurring theme with him. And can he make this choice? And like, how do you make it previously? I think it's really great. And such a, like you said, Adam, this is the juice and the meat of the episode right here. Um, but yeah, Melissa, what do you what do you think here as a as a the person who's experiencing some of this early stuff for the first time because you were first round for the Eccleston stuff and now here again. Yeah, I mean, but it's very thematically consistent in Doctor Who stuff. Even um, like the next Doctor will deal with kind of similar kinds of questions. And I always think it's, yeah, like, like you said, like this is the juice, right? This is the really good stuff about Doctor Who when it's these kinds of like emotional beats of like, how can you the 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 answer seems obvious and yet it is still like incredibly difficult to have to be the one to have to make that choice and the doctor has found himself in this position multiple times and yeah it's just like the emotional weight of what happens with time travel right that that is the really powerful bit is and this realization for him again it's this idea that for him pompeii is a fixed point there actually isn't even a choice to be made here in his mind this always happens this way this like the volcanic eruption always happens pompeii erupting is a fixed point it has to go he doesn't actually get to make this choice it his hand is forced in this way and yet he is still here in this moment having to face the consequences of his own actions whether or not he has the free will to be able to make that choice or not and it's you know you can sort of say like Obviously, he was always going to make that decision because the odds are just so much, you know, one of these devastating effects is just so much bigger than the other, but it's out of his hands at the same time. Well, and it's still devastating, right? I think like to mm-hmm. me, that is what this what this episode portrays really well of like, you're right, it is not really a choice per se in, in his mind, because he knows kind of how this ends, he knows what has to be. But I think they do a good job of illustrating how difficult the situation still is for him when, you know, in maybe another world, this is like an easy choice where he's like, well, you know, this is just math. This is just, you know, whatever we're making the the correct choice. I think this episode does a really good job really through Donna of making this a much more emotional and impactful decision and situation for him than maybe it would be on paper. Uh, Okay. So the doctor says nothing will survive it. Not even them. But Donna says, never mind us. Press this lever and it's over 20,000 people, he says. And Donna reaches at her hands and they push it down together. Suddenly, all the soothsayers have a new prophecy. The future is changing. Vesuvius erupts. 
Donna and the doctor are sent flying in the escape pod and people are saying the sky is falling. Death. Only death. The doctor and Donna run away holding hands. I just had to note that again. There's more. <laughs> it's how you run. We've learned this. We already know. We've been new. Yeah. So they're running away from the lava and the ash. The sky fills with clouds. One of the priestesses says, you lied to us. And yet this was meant to be. Donna yells at people to go to the hills, not the beach. She tries to save this little boy, but her mother grabs him. They run to the TARDIS and the family asks for them to save them. But the doctor keeps going. Donna yells for the doctor and says he can't just leave them. The doctor says history is back in place and everyone dies. Donna yells that he's got to go back, that it's not fair. The doctor agrees. No, it's not. Donna says his own planet burned. The doctor says, can't she see if he could go back and save them, then he would, but he can't. I can never go back. I can't. I just can't. Donna begs him to save them. Not the whole town, just someone. The TARDIS reappears and the doctor tells the family to come with him and he reaches out his hand. Uh, and yeah, this like hand, closing out on this hand grip also felt like very significant as well between these two. It's a, it's a pretty great moment and i just want to point out Catherine tate crushes this scene like my god like when she's in the tar like when they get into the tardis the first time and she is just like well even from like begging people to like don't go like the, the hiding and like it, into the tardis and like begging him like holy shit like it's so good and she is so good in this scene it's 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 wild i think this is where this episode especially delivers again, where it's just the acting between these two is like out of control. Good. Yep. Uh, so the doctor and Donna are doing their run. They get in there. Uh, Vesuvius continues to erupt and the family watches from the hill. The doctor says it's never forgotten that man will move on, but one day Pompeii will be found again in thousands of years and everyone will remember them. Donna asks the doctor, but she, uh, the daughter, sorry, but she has no more visions. The doctor says the explosion was so powerful, it cracked open a rift in time. That's what gave the prophecy. It echoed back to the per provillion alternative, but not anymore. She's free. The woman asks who the doctor is and his temple containing such size within, which I thought was like a funny, different way of saying it. it's bigger on yeah. the inside. <laughs> uh, the doctor says that he was never here not to tell anyone. The man says the great god must be enraged, so volcanic, like some sort of volcano. Uh, hey. the, <laughs> the man watches, and the doctor and Donna leave. Uh, Donna thanks the doctor for saving them. He says she was right, that sometimes he needs someone, and he welcomes her aboard. We flash forward six months. The family has all settled. The son is training to be a doctor, uh, and he thanks the household gods, and it's a stone carving and marble of the doctor, Donna, and the TARDIS. And that's the end of the episode. It's very like interesting and fun the idea of like the house gods being <laughs> the doctor and Donna um, and him admitting you know like sometimes I need someone is, is really fantastic. It's a, it's a great capper and bow to to this episode and obviously I, I do think yes the ending saves this episode a lot from just the pure hokiness and silliness of the of the fun of the beginning. Um, but all in all, very very solid I think and a strong strong showcase for i think donna as a companion in episode two like i really feel like the other like i feel like rose and martha did not have a moment like this 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 early especially into their tenure 
Okay, well, you know, maybe you guys didn't like Rose and Martha very much, but I, I think they certainly had their moments, right? Like they had, it was just a different, it's just a different interaction, right? Like it, it depends on what you enjoy from the companions. If you're enjoying maybe some of that romantic stuff, if you, you know, whatever, like maybe that's, maybe that's better for you than others. I think that Donna is basically universally loved here though. And I think that, you know, this episode is very emblematic of like, you're just there's not you're not going to get a miss this season. Like there's not a bad episode this season. Part of it is because- well, John is just amazing. What do you mean? Don't whelm me, Kevin. We're covering every episode. So we are covering every episode. We're uh, gonna have. A, I'm sure there'll be a debate on one. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. Well. All right. Well, that's this episode for this week. Want to hit uh, continuity stuff? We kind of mentioned throughout, right? Like, yes, Peter Capaldi will be back, but remember, not just his face, the the actor, but uh, this this moment will come back into play later. So like, uh, that's something to keep track of. Uh, Karen Gillan, we mentioned, will be back. Uh, not playing the same character, let's just say that, but like continuity-wise, remember her face. The Shadow Proclamation was mentioned. And I think thematically, there's a lot in here that's going to be coming back around for for certain in terms of like choices made. And even the concept of the Doctor being like a house god, I think is something to keep track of and remember just the choices in the journey this is going to have for this character, I think is really fantastic. Um, I think that's the main stuff here for continuity, Adam. Uh... I do have one other thing. Uh, the uh, There was a, um, a sentence said by one of the soothsayers towards Donna. Oh, says, yes, indeed. <laughs> There's something on your back. Mm-hmm. It was left unexplained in this episode. Wasn't even mentioned again after <laughs> saying it the one time. Uh, just remember that going forward we will uh that might come up later who knows i mean we do know i'm telling you it's going to come up later (laughs) so you know (laughs) but all right well let's get into some feedback uh let's hear what the peoples have to say adam yeah, so as always, we love uh, we love reading feedback here on the podcast. Please keep sending it in. Plenty of ways to uh, to send that in here. Kevin can go over those in just a second. But from Brenna, uh, I didn't really enjoy most of the episode, but the <laughs> ending of what you can or can't save, making them make that choice, saves it a bit for me, especially seeing Donna convince him to go back. The cult didn't do anything, or the stone guy uh, for me, but I like the ending on the hall as a poetic ending. The epilogue makes me laugh, though. Household gods, you can't say this wasn't timey. They literally went to Pompeii. Yeah, I agree with you, Brett. I'm not. I, I totally agree. Uh, I'm not a history buff, but it was fun to be at a place where you, uh, you know, knew it was going to happen. Also, they invented the word volcano, uh, and and Brett liked that. I did too. That was very funny. It is. Um, and then also from Emily. Uh, it's probably been at least 10 years since I've seen this episode and I was already looking forward uh, to it in general because of the story, but I wasn't expecting all the delicious little Easter eggs too. Yeah, uh, a lot of them. This is uh, just some of the best Doctor Who. Good side characters, an interesting mystery, an apocalyptic Earth event, and the surprise that the Doctor is the one who actually explodes Vesuvius, leading to 20,000 deaths. Oof. Uh, but it's the companion who's the real hero of this episode. Pleading to the Doctor's humanity, even if you can't save everyone, can you at least save someone? So glad we have a companion who can hold her own, holds the Doctor accountable, and pushes him to be better. What a wonderful phase of who we're in. Totally agree with all of that, Emily. 100%. All right. Uh, As for sending feedback, you can definitely do it on the Discord. You can also, I mean, hit us up on Twitter if you would like but the best way as well is to send an email, uh, Kevin at postshowrecaps.com. Send an email that way, and we can get your feedback, read it here, and uh, as well, 
your ratings because every episode we're giving ratings on a scale of one through five with wibbly wobbly following the plot of the episode and timey wimey following well we don't know we just you know just that's that's the openly debated the je ne sais quoi of the episode <laughs> yes <laughs> there you go there you go um and we take your ratings plug it into the equations we do including our own and give it ultimate rating here at the end and so melissa wibbly wobbly timey wimey fires of pompeii volcano day what do you got okay so i'm gonna give this for Wibbly Wobbly, a 3.5. There's some really powerful stuff in here. First half does kind of drag a little bit. Um, and like, I don't know that I needed this chief guy at all, to be honest. I feel like that was like all kind of unnecessary. We could have just like had the stone tablet be like in the marble dealer's possession. And this guy could have just like not been here. Um, but yeah, pretty good stuff for timey wimey though. I'm going to give it a four. I thought that there was like so much good timeyness to this. A lot of the like fun, like this has always had to be this way talking about the fixed time point, um, stuff that is sort of being set up for the future. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really good. The aliens are kind of meh, but it's, you know, they, they were there. And I, I love when we've got like extraterrestrial explanations for real world things. And then for that to be turned on its head and it's not even that it's the doctor all along, like that stuff was all so, so good. So, uh, yeah, that's my rating. Uh, Adam, where are you on this episode? This is really tough because I'm, I'm in like the three to three and a half range for wibbly wobbly. And I'm just looking at some of my other scores and I gave boom down a three. So this has to be higher than that. <laughs> So uh, I have a 3.5 for Wibbly Wobbly. I think there were a lot of things that were really strong this episode. I love Donna here. The story actually I think was was better than I um, maybe remembered, even though some of it dragged a little bit near the beginning portions. Um, and just, you know, some of the we, – we called out so many – a couple specific lines that just like elevated this episode so much to me. So um, 3.5 there. And then – this is another tough one because I'm in like the roughly the same range, but I think it is a better timey wimey episode than it is a wibbly wobbly episode. And so I'm up to a four on timey wimey. I think that there were a lot of different areas that really elevated this in terms of time. We had the Pompeii of it all, the, the Jack comment from before and the way that that all connected. Uh, Jack even called it volcano day when he was there. And so we have like that kind of flashback here. Um, the Capaldi of it all, the Gillen of it all, the, I, I don't, there are just too many things here for me to not, uh, not give this a higher score in timey wimey than I do wibbly wobbly. So, uh, full four for me, uh, for, for timey wimey, I say full four. It's just, it's not full, but it's four. It's a, it's a, it's a partial four. I love how often you get exasperated by our differences in ranking systems and yet yeah. how frequently we give things exactly the same rating. Mm -hmm, so clearly mm -hmm. yeah. it's working. Yeah. Melissa, uh, here's the thing, Melissa. We're the same, but we're vastly different. That's yeah. the, that's yeah. the situation. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Most true thing you've ever said in the podcast. <laughs> well, on the concept of being so much the same, guys, we are triple threaded here on <laughs> our ratings because I am wow. exactly the same in this rating here. 3.5 for the episode. I think it has so many strong elements, specifically at the end in terms of just the choices that were put forward. But there was a goofiness at the beginning. It's not the most tightest episode, but has a lot of good stuff going for it. It's a solid episode, and I think that's kind of what I said at the beginning here. And yeah, timey-wimey, there's so much fun at play in a way that I think, yes, it plays with time and, 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 and like the concept of going to the past here, but 
like metatextually the idea again of Jack making a comment of another thing I know that ties in later with the concept of being here on Volcano Day or around Volcano Day. There's just so much fun in that. And again, thematically timey-wimey stuff of how the choices a doctor makes and what will come and what has happened, I think is really, really solid and really strong. And of course, how this again will affect stuff in the future. There's a lot in here that I think works really well. And if you're saying like, oh, but it's a future thing, is that it's not timey-wimey in this episode? Of course it is. That's how the timey-wimey works. Time works weirdly. It's it's a wibbly-wobbly ball of stuff. Like that's, I think, applicable. So yeah, I'm at a 3.5 for wibbly-wobbly, four for timey-wimey as well. Uh, where does that put us, Adam? Well, the audience is very close to us here. So for Ribbly Wobbly, they're also at a 3.5, uh, <laughs> which is kind of incredible. Uh, so we're all there. 3.5 average, obviously, for Ribbly Wobbly is all of us are right there. It's still not it's still Amazing. not too late to send in ratings. So if you want to shake that up, go higher or lower, you're welcome to send those in still. For Tommy Wimey, they're a little bit lower on it. 3.25 uh, for the audience, leaving us at a 3.8 total. So a little bit lower on the Tommy Wimey-ness than the Wibbly Wobbly, which is interesting because all three of us are the uh, opposite in, you know, in terms of that. So um interesting to note but uh you know right in the middle of the middle of the range for the audience uh 3.5 3.25 there so decently high i think i expect to be honest with you i expect this to kind of be the lower bar of the season which is like a wild thing to say right because like this is decently high and we've had much lower episodes i don't think that this season is going to get much lower than this i might be wrong i might eat those words in a couple episodes of something i'm not remembering maybe but I don't know. I think that I think that we're in for a great season here. We've started it off really strong. Nothing below threes here for you know most of this. So there we go. I'm excited. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see how how we get when, when we get to it. Um, but I, I don't fully disagree here about like some of the phenomenal phenomenal things to come in this season. That like episode one, I really liked. Episode two, I really liked. But there there's really great stuff that that is happening. Uh, throughout the season with these characters, but also stuff that they're going to do and play with. Um, so speaking of that, next time we're continuing our journey straight ahead. We're going into season four, episode three, Planet of the Ood. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> I have to get it out here so I don't do it on next week's podcast. But that's what we're we'll be covering next. So if you're following on, check that out. Season four, episode three, Planet Ood. And we'll be back next week to talk about all that good stuff. Uh, I said it regular that time. All right. Until then, I'll unzee. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch -ch 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.